If you need a Bible, will you raise your hand and keep it up? The ushers are going to um, pass it out. And uh, we are going to we're going to start in the book of Acts and then we're going to move um, around a little bit. Uh, it's been said at the very beginning, if you were here, welcome to City Harvest. We don't believe you're ever here by accident. And so if this is your first time here, I just want to say welcome. If you've been coming for a long time, I want to say welcome. If you didn't want to come today, I want to say welcome. Uh, regardless of why you're here, welcome. My name is Peter, and I'm the lead pastor here at City Harvest, and uh, just excited to have you here. We, um, we've been reading out of the book of Acts, and uh, haven't so much been going verse by verse, but been going through sections of, of the scripture, but really looking at, you know, when we read the word of God, we can read it as information. Um, anybody here ever read a history book? You know, you read something historical and, you know, maybe, you know, it's on World War II or maybe it's on, um, I don't know what else. That's the only thing I think of when I think of history is World War II. Uh, but whatever it is, you read it and you're kind of just getting information like, oh, that's what took place. And, oh, that's what, you know, say in a World War II capacity, that's, that's what that general did. And that's when the war shifted that way and, and you get information like that. There is information as we read the word of God that way, where we see the story of God. We see what he did with the Israelites and all those different things. But there's also, it's applicable to you and I. So as we read, we're not just reading for info. We're also looking at it and saying, Lord, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me in this way? So if you will open up, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 11 and... Um, this, this area, Acts chapter 11 through Acts chapter 14, is really kind of focused on uh, them beginning some different missionary journeys where they started going to different churches. We got it titled The Sent Ones. We like to talk about that, that each one of us are sent. We are to be sent. None of us are just to be seat warmers. None of us even here are just to be attenders. We're participants. And God hasn't just called a few people to go out in impact. He's called every single one of us. You're in the home you are for a reason. Now, you might be praying for a different house, and that's totally fine, asking God to send you somewhere else. But while you're there, I promise you, there is a reason he has you there right now. There are people around you that he wants you to influence. You have the job you have for a reason. You, you, you're in the school you're in for a reason. You're, you're, you have the friends, all those things. He, he has sent us somewhere. And so our question in this is where has God sent you? Not so much where is God sending you, not so much looking future, future tense, but actually today. Where are you? Where has he placed you? And for us to start thinking through, why has he placed us there? And to not see it as just, well, just happens to be where I am, but that there's a reason because there's something he wants to do in and through you right where you are and right as you are or how you are. In chapter 11, verse 25 through 26, just going to highlight a couple, three different sections in, in um, this uh, through chapter 11 through 14. So pretty brief here. It says, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. 
When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. So a work had begun in Antioch. And Barnabas goes and, he, and he, he wants to find Saul that we know is Paul. And he wants to bring him there. So both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was in Antioch that believers were first called Christians. You know, what's interesting with that, why I wanted to read that part is because the church in Antioch was made up of a whole bunch of people that were different from each other. Uh, so why don't you just for a quick minute, just look around the room. I know some of you are typically, you sit in the same spot. So the people really close to you are like, oh yeah, they're always here. They, they, they look familiar. But look around a little bit farther. Maybe put on your binoculars and look across the room. We're different. And the one thing that this church had in common was Jesus Christ. The one thing that started to draw them together, even if their languages were different, even if their, their cultures were different, even if their skin color was different, even if uh, their accent was a little different. I don't know if you noticed, but Tosh has a slightly different accent than me. I told her hers is weird, but she said mine is weird. It, it, they can be different, but the one thing we have in common is Jesus Christ. And in the same way, Back then, what people started to see for the very first time, they started calling them Christians because they, they were like Christ. And the one thing, how they could group them together, because we always want to group people together. Anybody? You, you, you group people together. and You come up with titles to, to kind of summarize a group of people that you either like or don't like. And the way they did that is they said, man, these people are acting like Christ. They're operating like that, and it drew them together. And so that is what you and I are supposed to be. We're not Christians just because we put our faith in Jesus. That's our faith. We should be Christians because we act like Christ. We should be Christians because that is what we have in unity is Jesus Christ. If you look at verse 29, so still in chapter 11, verse 29 and 30, it says, so the believers in Antioch decided to send. So there, there had been um, uh, a shortage of food and different things going on at that time. And so what they, they did here is what we're seeing is that the believers in the Antioch church decided to gather what they had and to send it as a resource. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea Everyone giving as much as they could. This they did entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. So they, they gave and, then, and, and they, they went above and beyond to care for others. That is what we're called to do as well. Here and then if you look at chapter 14, verse 19, this this. This section gets really exciting. I, I believe we're all going to be praying for this to become our anointing. It says, then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Asinium and won the crowds to their side. So what happened was Paul had been talking. They didn't like what he was saying. So they came and they got Paul. And so they won these people over to their side. Like, let's get this man. It says they stoned Paul and dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. 
But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Darby. So here you have Paul. He's, he's being sent. And, and I know this might be why you might be thinking, that's exactly why I don't want to be sent, because <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that. I don't read it for that purpose, but the idea that one, that Paul continued on, in that he remained persistent even when opposition came. Man, I mean, the opposition came against him so much to where they believed they had finished the job. They had a desire, and it was to stone him to death. They believed they had done such a great job at this that they left him there. And then he gets up. Have you guys ever watched the video of like a honey badger? If you have it, maybe YouTube it uh, later on today. <laughs> honey badgers are insane. They can be bit by rattlesnakes. They can have all these things and like they'll then lay there like they're dead and then they will like, the, the other animal will leave and then they like shake it off and they go back. They're, it's just crazy. Paul's like a honey badger, okay? So he's been stoned, but he gets up and he goes on with the mission. And to think of like, man, what, what did he look like the next time he got up in front of a group of people? Like, just, I know, I know you, like, I need you to not look at me right now. I need you just to hear my words. Why don't we just, every eye closed, every head bowed. Um, I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I just don't want you to be distracted by the way I look. You know, his linen clothing, there's red, you know, bleaching through different parts of it. The guy was totally beat up. But many times what we can be is when opposition comes, we run and hide. When opposition comes, we get beat up and we feel sorry for ourselves. When opposition comes, we, we feel like, I guess God must not be with me. But to realize that he's called us and that we, we rise up in boldness knowing that he's with us and we continue on. And we push on. Now, part of this is in being diligent and in being persistent, we don't get our strength from ourselves. So every week we go through some of our, our purpose words. We have be with God, walk with Jesus, love others, go with Holy Spirit. Every week we kind of highlight one of them. And this week's is be with God. But, you know, for us to be, for you and I to be persistent to where when opposition comes, what do we need inside of us? This right here. This is our gas. This is our strength that we would be with God and love him with all we have and all we are through a lifestyle of prayer. We have to be men and women of prayer. Not just prayer when we need something, not just prayer when we're desperate, not just prayer when we feel like we're in a pickle, but prayer, I don't know what it means to be in a pickle. Anybody here ever been actually literally in a pickle? No. Uh, but not just prayer in those moments, but prayer because we love to talk to our God. Prayer because we love to, to hear what he has to say and we love to share what's on our heart. To be in prayer, fasting, setting aside things in our life so we can focus on him. Fasting from different things so that we can kind of break away from the clutter and be closer to him. Bible meditation and study, worship. Sabbath rest in delight. Those are all things that fill us up. 
so that when opposition comes, we know the word of God and we can stand upon it as confidence. Not confidence in my strength, but confidence in his strength. Confidence that I know where I am right now is where he asked me to be. So therefore, I know he's with me because he and I were just talking about it. I hear his voice. I know that I'm not doing it all in my strength because I, I do rest and I do, I do wait upon the Lord. And so I know that I've been empowered by Holy Spirit to go and to do these things. I know that I'm not doing it for my own glory because I'm worshiping him. So we want to be with God. We started a, a, a Bible reading thing this year where it's just one chapter a day. Uh, I don't know if you're at all like me. You've maybe over your lifetime have started different Bible reading programs and um, ones you just, you know, they have a lot of scripture in them and a lot of chapters that you're supposed to read in one day and you get part of that. I remember Darcy uh, did a, a message, and I think it was on Leviticus. We were starting the book of Leviticus, and she started out with, it was a joke, but it was very, very serious, that Leviticus is where all Bible reading plans die, and that we start our Bible reading plans in, in January in Genesis, and by the time we get to Leviticus, we kind of, and then all of a sudden, we're behind, and so then we don't catch up, and then that's, and so it's like, you know what, next year. You know, next year I'll start over and I'll get there, but it's kind of where all Bible uh, reading plans die. But we did it with just one chapter a day, and we also did in chronological order. And just to kind of get a, uh, so it's 365 key chapters of the Bible just to give us an, an overview. And yeah, we're actually just getting ready to go into the New Testament here, I think at the end of this week. And so if you haven't jumped on that and um, you aren't reading your Bible on a regular basis, I want to invite you to do that. One chapter a day, and to go through that, we post it on the Realm. Uh, soon we'll be on Church Center because we are ditching the Realm. Can I get a shout again? Yes. Woo! Yeah. Um, and then also there are, I believe, still papers out by the, the doors as you walk out um, that have them if you actually want a paper copy, and it says what date and um, when to read. This last week, we were in the book of Nehemiah. And, you know, I was planning on kind of really focusing on this portion of Acts and just talking about us being sent ones. And we're kind of just, we're going to pause in Acts chapter 14 and go into the book of James here in a couple weeks. And uh, so get ready for that because James packs a real good punch. And uh, he's coming for you. I'm just letting you know that, okay? Um, but we're going into that because that is right around this period of time where we are finding ourselves in the book of Acts is when the, the book of James was written. And so we're going to pause in Acts and begin to look at that and just see, seeing, again, we're looking at even in Acts is what God was doing in the early church in those times is exactly what he wants to do in and through us. He wants us to be there for one another. He wants us to take care of one another. He wants us to go on mission. He wants us to spread the gospel. He wants us to remain persistent. He wants us to go and pray for others and do all these things. But like the early church, we have some issues. And uh, James is going to help us with that. Um, he will be talking about our tongues. So if you want to avoid conviction, I just say, watch what you say over the next couple weeks. 
and uh, don't slander people. Just bite your tongue a whole bunch, and then you'll be, as it was being said, you'll be like, yeah, that's right. That is the way we're supposed to live. I'm living that way. But as, we were, as I was praying this week, I really felt like there was something that I was supposed to look at and began kind of looking at the book of Nehemiah since that's where we're reading. And so I want to turn there, if you can, in your Bible, turn to Nehemiah. It's uh, before Job and Psalms. Um, if you don't know where it is, you can also just go right to the very beginning of your Bible and look for that and look at what page to turn to. And I want to look at the first four chapters. And in here is, so on Acts, where has God sent you? That's the question. The thing to walk away with today, there's two things I want us to look at. One from that portion of it is where has God sent you? Every single one of us has, not is going to be, has been sent somewhere. You have been sent somewhere. And it's on purpose. This week, there are things God wants to do in and through you. Not through someone else who's super spiritual, through you. He wants to use you. In this part, what walls in your life need to be rebuilt? Now, when we think of walls, a lot of times we think of walls that we build up to keep others out. For the sake of this message, that is not what we're talking about, okay? We also can think of walls that are built to keep people in, let's say, like in a prison. That is not what we're talking about. Here, we have the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah is going there to rebuild the walls of the city. It's all been torn down. They've already kind of started to come back. They, because of, you know, God gave the Israelites ways that they were supposed to live, and like you and I, they weren't the best at it. And so because of that, they, different nations came and, and overpowered them and kind of God's protection was lifted from them as a community and they went into exile and they were sent different places and away. And there was this time where they started coming back to the city, but the temple was destroyed. The walls around the city were destroyed. And so the temple has been being rebuilt. And now Nehemiah is coming and he comes back to rebuild the walls. So not thinking of this as walls to keep people away from us and not walls to keep us trapped somewhere, but to think of the walls that establish like the city itself. They establish the territory of it. What are those things that God says, this is who you are. This is the way I designed you. I wanted you kind of in this shape and I, and, I, and I wanted you for this purpose. I wanted a gate here and I wanted a tower here and these different things. He made each one of us unique. But what happens is in our life, different things take place and our walls get torn down. Abuse comes and there's a breach of part of the wall. Someone comes and slanders you and part of the guard tower crumbles you begin to doubt yourself and part of the wall falls down. You get betrayed and more of the wall comes down. You get a terminal illness and, and, a, and another, another gate just begins to fall. You know, we come to Jesus and that's our faith, but I believe a word for us 
is that God wants us to believe that he wants to rebuild our walls. That he wants to continue to draw us closer to him and, and that we would look like him. And I think there's part of who we are that he wants to rebuild inside of us so we can walk wholer, so that we can walk healthier, so that we can walk in more confidence in who he is and what he says. In chapter one, verse two through three, Nehemiah, is, he's asked, hey, what can you tell me? How, how is Jerusalem? And Hanani, one of his brothers, came to visit with him with some other men who just arrived from Judah. I asked him about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. You know, as I was reading that, I was thinking, what is our report? If we were to go ask Holy Spirit, we were to ask God, God, can you, can you give me a report of me in the same way that he asked for a report of Jerusalem? What's our report? What would God say? Where maybe is a gate torn down or a wall torn down? Then in verse four through nine, Nehemiah is a, a man of prayer and he prays over and over and here's one of his prayers. It says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see my praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. He's taking ownership there. It wasn't him that was doing everything. They had been in exile for years. There was a whole bunch of things that had taken place. But he's standing in the gap. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to a place I have chosen for my name to be honored. So he's praying out to God, Lord, this is who you are. This is what you've said. But you've also said that if we return to you, that you would bring us back together. Lord, I just want to pray over us, City Harvest, each one of us in this room. God, I want to ask that you forgive us. God, forgive us for the times where we doubt. Forgive us for when we just kind of sit back and our faith is casual. And it's kind of, uh, kind of lukewarm and it's not, we're not chasing after you. We had a time where we burned for you, but we've kind of let the flame die. Or where maybe we've watered it down and we've chosen to kind of allow things to come into our life that you don't want to be there. 
where we're out of fear, we kind of allow mixture. God, where we don't put you first, God, that you would forgive me, that you would forgive us. Lord, we want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. We ask that if we, as, as we pursue you and as we try to focus more on you, as we open up our Bibles and, and not just read the words, but look at it as how can we walk differently? As we choose to realize that you have sent us and we begin to listen to your voice and, and be quick to obey when you say, hey, I want you to go love that person. I just want you to go say hello to that person. I want you to give a couple dollars to bless that person. I want you to um, not go out with those people tonight, but instead I want you just to hang out with me. Whatever it might be, Lord, that as we pursue you, that you would come and fill us individually. Lord, that you would fill us as a church family. God, that you would come and impact our city. That we wouldn't just sit back and judge our city for decisions it makes or laws it passes or things it celebrates or things that it, that it pulls away from. But God, that we would reflect your love. God, that we would be your ambassadors. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, you know, we can look. He heard the report instead of saying, man, those poor people, that's a real bummer. No, his heart broke and he began to pray. He began to cry out to God for something to take place. If you go to chapter four, verse one through two, they begin rebuilding the walls. Now you got to understand there's a whole bunch of people around that didn't want that to take place. It says, Symbolic was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that. This is something we got to get into our minds that God loves to use things that others discard. He doesn't look at a pile of stones that might be a, a rubble heap and just see that. He sees a wall. He sees a monument. He sees an altar. He doesn't look at ones that are charred and think, ah, those, those ones aren't worth it. Why is that important? Because you and I are broken. You and I are charred. I want to charge us that we don't look at ourselves. We don't dismiss ourselves or limit what God can do in and through us because we think of ourselves as broken. You know, we have these same voices in our life where we step out and we start doing something and we have this accuser that says, what do you think you're doing? Do you really think that you can rebuild these walls in your life and become who you think God wants you to be just because you pray to him? Look at you, you're broken. They're, they're collapsed, they're, they're in a pile. You look like a, just a pile of rubbish. You're burnt up, you're stained, you got, you, got, you got soot all over you. Or do we believe that God will use those things that other people discard? 
Also why it's important is that we remember that people that, that are disenfranchised, people that are disconnected, people that we think are different than us, God wants to use them as well. That's, that's the heart and prayer with, as Vicki was talking about with our kids at Camp Attitude. It's a camp for, for, for mainly youth of a lot of different, what we would say is a disability, different abilities. They might be whatever it is, and they've kind of been pushed away in many ways. And our students are going down there to love on them. Man, my prayer is that something opens in their mind. Because you know what? Each one of us, as we grow up as kids, we're taught to see things that are different and point at it. We're taught, we're taught to say that's different than me and therefore it's weird. It's uncomfortable or it's strange and we push it away. God wants to break down those walls. He doesn't want us to see from the outside. He wants us to see from the inside. I believe our youth are going to come back and I believe they're going to go to their schools and they're no longer going to see students from the outside. They're going to begin to see them from the inside. I believe they're going to start seeing other kids that normally have been ignored, that they would normally walk by and not make eye contact with and actually slow down with their group of friends and say, hold on one second, I'm supposed to say hello to this kid. They're going to walk away from their friends instead of eating lunch with them and say, you know what, today I'm going to go sit over here because there is a jewel inside of this person. I'm tired of looking on the outside. It's our heart as a church that anybody, the disconnected, those that have been pushed away would be welcomed in. Not to condone a lifestyle, but so that they can taste and see that God is good. So that they can experience his love and his compassion and his forgiveness. And they can see that they might feel like a pile of rubble. And you and I can say, I'm a pile of rubble too. But you know what? He's putting me back together piece by piece. And yep, even those broken parts of my life are becoming a part of strength. Even those moments that I hated, he's using that to put me back together. Lastly, in the praise team, you guys can come up. Chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. Here the laborers are working. They've been attacked. People or people keep threatening to attack them, to slow them down. And just like Paul had to be, they had to be persistent. Here at the second half of verse 17, it says, The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with, with me to sound the alarm. So there had been threats that something's coming against them. So on one hand, they have a tool, and on the other hand, they have a weapon. I'm not trying to get us to raise up and start singing, I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly over the enemy, because I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. A weird song to sing to kids when they were young. No, because, yeah. 
I never quite understood as I, I mean, I loved it as a kid. I even wear my camouflage to Sunday school so I could participate. <laughs> but it doesn't, you know, we're not trying to create that type of army. But what we do need to realize is we don't just wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness. And that there are going to be things that come against you and I as we try to rebuild. Coming to the conversion and what we celebrate as we, take, as, we, as we partake in communion and we go to the Lord's table in remembrance of his sacrifice. And we remember that moment and what he did. But there's so much more in our Christian walk that God wants to do to renew us, to restore us, to rebuild us, to look more like the you that he intended you to be. So part of that is that we don't look at the pile of brokenness and say, I'm just rubbish. It's all burnt up. But we realize that he wants to use those exact pieces of your life to rebuild the walls. Again, these aren't walls to keep people out and these aren't walls to hide you inside. These are the walls that shape your identity. These are the walls that say who he designed you to be. They're the walls that defined who you are. And he wants to bring all those things together. But we have to know that there is an accuser that wants to come and mock you as you try to rebuild. To say, who, who would want to love that person with all those broken pieces? You think anyone's ever going to want to be in a relationship with you? They're saying, we're all sent. Who would want to listen to you? Your life's a wreck. What testimony do you have? You just got in a fight with your spouse last week. How, how, can, how can you do anything? You were late on that bill. How, how can you help somebody else? There are thoughts that come to beat us up. And we have to be ready to, to be at work with one hand. And we have to be quick to fight against those things in the other. Part of that is getting the word of God into our minds so that we have scripture to push back on it. Part of it is being in relationship with Jesus in prayer where we talk, where it's not just something, a, a phone that we pick up in a desperate moment, but it's a conversation that's always going on and he strengthens us. Part of it is to know that what he wants to do in us is also what he wants to do with our entire community. They might look different, they might act different than you and I, but they are still the children of God. Will you stand to your feet if you're able? We're gonna sing a song. It's called, I Speak Jesus. And it talks about we speak it because there's power in the name of Jesus. And we speak Jesus into these things. I wanna ask that as you sing it, that it is an, uh, a cry of intercession, that you sing it one for yourself, that you speak Jesus into your life, whatever you're going through, whatever trials, struggles, hardships, whatever it is, but that you also speak Jesus into our community and you shift it just from yourself to also to others. You speak it to where you've been sent, your apartment complex, the trailer park that your that single wide is in, the cul-de-sac that your house is in, 
the zero lot line duplex that you live in, wherever you find yourself, your workplace, your school, your family, you speak Jesus. Man, I know how many of you just looking around, you're facing your own impossible situation, whether it's with a loved one, a kid, a spouse, whether it's health, whether it's a dream, there are so many things. All we can do is speak Jesus into it. Also, I wanna remind you that we have communion in the back. If you came in late and you didn't hear, that is just during the song to go and in remembrance say, Jesus, I take these things. Rebuild the walls of my life. Help me to stand strong in who you say I am. Let's sing this as an act of intercession.